You're listening to The Issues Podcast. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. This is an episode of The Issues Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Russ, Tom Brennan, and Martin Wickens. We are live, gentlemen. I love, I love working with Zoom and Facebook. It's not as easy as it seems. Good to see you guys this morning. How's everybody doing? Uh, I'm doing great, but I can't compare to Martin with his whole uh, coronation thing going on this weekend. Yeah, he, and you know what's funny about that, Tom, is is he hasn't even noticed that I changed his name. Oh, I, I noticed <laughs> it like about five minutes after you had done it. <clears throat> earlier before, when we logged on about 10 minutes ago, he's like, what are you grinning at Russ? What, what are you thinking? I'm like, that's eh, all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so I have a question, something. Martin, did you, did you watch the coronation? Was it, was that like important to you? I mean, genuinely, I'm not trying to be facetious. I, I didn't watch any of it. I want to, I want to go back and check it out. Um, I don't much like Charles. Um, <laughs> there's, there's never been, never been a good I, King Charles. Good. There's never been a good King Charles. Um, we beheaded one. We exiled the other. And um, I don't think either one is going to happen with this one, but he just doesn't have a great record. No, you're right. However, I do I do have a lot of respect for the, the office and everything. It's, I, I think for Americans, it's hard to understand the place that monarchy and royalty hold. And it's almost like an unwritten constitution. There's a lot of meaning and there's a lot of unity bound up in it. Yeah. And I heard somebody saying recently, I think it was Stephen Fry, who in some ways is like the most wicked guy you can imagine, but he's also the most genius in some other ways. But he was saying that, you know, the king, the British ways. king or queen is, he's everybody's king and nobody's king. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to politics, normally half the country is going to be for or against whoever's in leadership. But, you know, uh, an unelected monarch can kind of represent everyone and no one. And so it's kind of an unusual position. And I don't expect our American listeners to uh, to grasp that, but that's okay. Yeah, no, guys I, anyway. I enjoyed, I enjoyed just the sentiment of it. You know, it seems that, like you said, everybody is is on board at the moment of that grand occasion it's it's more about the occasion than it is the individual you know but mm-hmm. i i also love american twitter when it comes to the uh uh the coronation of king charles it, it was pretty fun to watch that as well that's a bite my tongue so many times <laughs> oh i bet i'm sure but the uh, yeah it's cool very much because so. the crazy irony right now is that the current U.S. president has probably as much, if not more power than King George did back in the day. And, you know, you got a bunch of Twitter warriors who are like, George Washington. And I'm like, George Washington would be anyway, that's that's not going to unite our hearers. <laughs> so I shall say no more. I'm watching them drop off right now, man. I mean, they're on Facebook right. and <laughs> leaving Thanks, us. Martin. Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> but our English <laughs> numbers are climbing. We've we're into double digits now. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right there. Absolutely. So we've uh, come to this final podcast episode of the season, guys. I mean, this is the finale. This is the end of the road for this particular season of the Issues podcast and kind of come to celebrate, poke at each other a little bit, have a good time this morning and discuss a uh, particular topic uh, that is something that we've pre-planned and and prayed about. So let's start off, if we can, just by um, talking about the weekend. I mean, how did you guys' weekend go? What did it look like for you? And Tom, why don't you start us off, man? Sure. Uh, just a programming note here. I think, Brother Russ, you might be using the wrong microphone. You're fading in and out of uh, it. I don't know if you really? can fix that while we're live, but see if you can work on that. Yeah, um, I'll work on it. We had a we had a really good weekend, actually. Uh, we started a we had a ladies meeting, which was our our largest uh, ladies meeting of the year. Uh, I'm sorry, since we got here, and so that was a blessing. Um, we tried an experiment on Saturday, which was to set up a prayer station at our local farmer's market. We have a very nice farmer's market here in Dubuque, and um, it was the first weekend of the season for it. And we had a number of very good conversations, probably about 15 or 20, 
interesting conversations where we prayed with people and had some sort of a spiritual connection with people. And Mm -hmm. so that's something we might look at doing uh, more of along the way. Uh, Good attendance yesterday. Good offering. Uh, Enjoy the services. Started in Sunday school class yesterday. Praise the Lord. Yeah. A lot of things. That's awesome. Martin, how about you? Yeah, I had a great, great weekend. Um, We are one week away from our final gathering in our basement in our fellowship room uh, as we renovate our auditorium and everyone's excited, but I think everyone's ready to get back to normal. And it's been a blessing to me to see, you know, like yesterday we had our monthly fellowship meal and, you know, after I finished preaching, um, you know, everyone just gone together and within minutes the room had been turned around and tables laid out and set and, you know, me as a man, I'm just like, well, give me a fork and a table and I'm good. Uh, but others kind of jumped in and they laid out nice tablecloths and like within yeah. 10, 15 minutes, it was just good to go. And so as the first people were coming through the line with kind of the potluck uh, stuff, uh, they could just go and find somewhere to sit down. And and so it's a blessing just seeing people, you know, jump into the labor and, um, you know, we had a good day. And like I said, we're, we're ready to get back into our newly renovated auditorium so Mm -hmm. uh we should do that on the 21st yeah disruption disruption in the name of progress often unites a church in ways that nothing else can that's awesome yeah i also pointed out to the church yesterday it's a good reminder for us of what it's like for a lot of churches as church plants or maybe in in you know that just have facilities where they have to share rooms and it was a reminder of how blessed we are uh, with our normal setup. And so that was a good, good reminder for us all. That's great. It's awesome. Brother, Brother Rush, your weekend? Well, my weekend was, uh, was unique. We had storms roll in like, like crazy dark cloud, lightning, thunder, extremely hard rain right before both the morning and the evening services. And so it, I think it affected us a little bit, but, um, we did have a good weekend. Uh, attendance was a little down, I think, probably as a result of that. But we um, we told everybody this or yesterday morning. We kind of rolled out a little bit more. It's all it's been made aware in our church that this is happening. But um, really walked out a, a video about our Christian school that we're starting in the fall, and so yep. that's a that's a new thing that's and exciting. a big big challenge. Big challenge. I'm already I'm already realizing all of the guys who said, "Is it too late to change your mind?" You know, they're. <laughs> <laughs> because I tell people that and I get one response. That's it. That's the only response I get from pastors is, are you crazy? And I'm like, yeah, I'm young. That's, that's the whole guys. That's the whole part of being young. That is good is you can do stupid stuff and work through it and hopefully move past it in your lifetime. Um, well, not to burst your bubble, but you can do stupid stuff as an older man as well. Yeah, but you can't work past it. I made sure to add that qualifier. <laughs> so we we did that. No, I think morning. it's awesome. I think there is such a great need for Christian education, Christian schools, yes. and I love it. There you is, know, and, and increasingly so. I mean, you, some of the stories you hear. Okay. Um, so that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we we have we have a couple in our area that are a little bit more on the ecumenical, you know, side, larger Christian schools, and their waiting lists are forever long. I mean, it's, it's a big demand right now. People want an alternative. And so we're, we're getting into that space and and praying about that. And then last night I preached about why women can't be pastors and men are to be the head of the home. So, um, I have, I have nothing else to add beyond. <laughs> no, actually I, I preached from Acts chapter six and, um, I, I heard is one of those things you guys ever had a sermon that developed out of a seed thought from somebody else <clears throat> saying something in conversation or, or another, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten entire sermons out of one thought from another sermon, right? This was kind of one of those things. I heard the thought that um, men are to be the safeguards of unity in the church. And I think that's demonstrated in Acts chapter six, that it doesn't take much to disrupt unity in the church, but spiritual men, such as the seven that the congregation chose out from among them, they came in to fix really a you know, a kind of a basic problem, not an end of the world problem. And then um, they, they succeeded in bringing unity to the church. And so we talked a little bit about the role of men. And I told the ladies, I said, this is not a sermon that is anti-woman. It's, it's a sermon that is, right. is challenging to the men. I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I told the church, I said, not the easiest sermon to preach. Not at all. And, um, you know, I had good feedback, 
I think people are starving for just biblical truth. Amen. I, I really Amen. do. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we went through, of course, we went to first Corinthians 14. We went to first Timothy five. We went to Genesis chapter three and Genesis chapter four. And those in that regard, Ephesians chapter five, Acts chapter six, all of those dealing with the, the Christ honoring uh, roles that he has established, that God's established. And man, it, um, it was a heavy thing to preach, but it was received very well. And I, I'm, I guess I'm blessed to pastor a really, really wonderful group of people. So that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So this is the final episode of the issues podcast for this season. We look forward to some things that um, we're already planning for the fall. We don't have a a target date just yet, um, but we will be putting out information on that as soon as we can and uh, preparing. And and I think maybe without giving away too many spoilers, we're working toward um, lining up a few more guest interviews and some special things there. And so we'll see what works. Yeah. Yeah. That (laughs) Tom, that's a, that's the truth, isn't it? (laughs) Some landmines while the fireworks are going off. Well, what it is, is, is we've been doing this long enough. We're a little bored. So we just gotta, (laughs) I'm sorry. What'd you say? I I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. We're a little bored is what I said. And Tom's getting a little old. I'm not not in this with Tom. Martin's not in this for the drama. I didn't get to ask you earlier, Martin. I know we got to move along here to our to our uh, where Stephen was going. But uh, so when you you move back into your your space next week uh, with your uh, church, are you going to put um, one of those Union Jacks on the platform along with the American flag, or is it you know? I mean, do you, are your people aware of your plans? Maybe I should ask it that way. No flags in the auditorium. That's Martin's philosophy. Sorry, can't happen. Well, we, we're just going to um, just paint the whole room red, white, and blue. And, you know, just, and it, so it covers all the bases, you know, you've got the original red, white, and blue, you know, the British yeah. flag. What, what is and, it? Martin's against Christian nationalism, but totally for British nationalism. If I can talk this one. That's right. Well, uh, Christian and British, they're synonyms, aren't they? I mean, it's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I very much, um, yeah, don't, don't bring anything like that into it. So, yeah. right. uh, you know, when, when in Rome. When in Rome. Right. <laughs> now he's equating America to Rome. It's getting worse. So am I. Absolutely. So, 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 am, so I. am I. It could be, could be Babylon if you really wanted to. Yeah, uh, no argument there. It's like, oh, man. No, no, no seriousness. You know, I, I love the country that God has put me in as, as much uh, to celebrate about the United States. So without trying to, you know, pander to uh, an American listening base. I do genuinely <laughs> praise the Lord for where he's, he's put me. Amen. 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 So feedmail, feedback and fan mail. That's the, that's the next section of this podcast. We have some feedback. And of course we have done some episodes that have, um, they have brought to us some interesting feedback as of late, Tom, you are the one responsible for gathering and um, revealing all of this feedback. So why don't you take it over? So as soon as you said that, I had this panicked moment because I forgot to print it out. <laughs> so fortunately, I can pull it up on Dropbox here real quick. Yeah, and, and Tom can't stand up Tom, and leave because he, he wanted everybody to know that while he has a nice dress shirt on, he's wearing, he's wearing jeans. Jeans. I mean, for Tom Brown, Not only jeans, but I'm wearing my work jeans. And my wife is not giving me wash jeans, are they? My, Come on. No, but they're they're pretty pretty grungy at this point. I'm working on my deck this <laughs> afternoon, and I was like, "It's ESPN Day." Maddie gave me the hairy eyeball. She's like, "What are you going to church dressed like that for?" Oh, that's I was hilarious. like, "I only have to look good from like here up." So <laughs> it's like COVID church. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So, hey, I, um, um, so I, I like your mug, Tom. I don't even get mine up here. I got this as a gift from one of our our people here. Pastor, warning: anything you say or do could be used in a sermon. That's the truth. Yep. So did I. Look at that. All I've got is a siren. I can't now, see either. I, you know, of in all honesty, I, document. I go out of my way to uh, not use people in my sermon illustrations too much. So uh, if anybody in my church is watching, don't don't get paranoid. But um, yes, the Tom and I, we've got a pastor's mug. Stephen is drinking out of a cup from uh, Satan's juice box. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say the devil's with juice the, box. With the new age symbol on the outside. Did, did we all pay our respects to that? <laughs> So anyway. back to feedback. Uh, so we've had a couple of episodes since our last live, and um, 
Uh, one was a question from uh, a pastor by the name of Emory Alexander. He said, I would like to hear how each of you explain why you use the King James mm-hmm. to people with different levels of understanding on the issue. Thank you for your podcast. Come back soon. And our answer to that is uh, we're planning an episode on that in the fall season, uh, and we'll talk more about that in time to come. Um, Brother Alton Beal, who's the president of Ambassador, uh, wrote us a message in relation to the podcast we did about why young men should consider the ministry. He said, finally, listen to this after graduation week in Ambassador. There's a famine when it comes to young people going into the ministry. Thank you for taking the time to discuss. Not every young man is called and gifted to be a pastor preacher, but all of them ought to be willing and I think, Brother Russ, when we got that, you remarked something to me about um, that it was interesting that he had said that right after graduation, mm. because yeah. uh, you know they, that he you know, that's the demographic he works with, and he sees that need very, very clearly. Um, and then we had another message, and and this really warmed my heart. I don't want to spend too much time reading, but this is from a pastor friend uh in another state. He he sent us a message about the podcast in relation to young men for ministry. And it was just so encouraging to all three of us, I think. Sometimes we may wonder if what we're doing is worth the time and effort. Got a text yesterday about a possible meeting with one of my guys. Was a bit curious as what it might be. As a pastor, I always fear others' bad doctrine, bad attitudes, or bad affecting or infecting folks. I point, I point folks toward others that may be of help. It's terrible when you've pointed when where you've pointed messes up or steers wrong. Mm-hmm. Early this morning, we met for six and a half hours and just talked and shared and opened up about so many things, blessings, burdens, desires. I've known him for five years, married him, counseled him, baptized, spent countless hours together. He goes on to talk about this man. Uh, he's in his mid-20s in his church. He's He's been in his church for five years, growing as a Christian very much. And they had a very long conversation uh, the morning after our podcast aired in relation to ministry, where he took our advice on the podcast. We didn't call him to preach, of course. But we we said in that podcast that you should talk to your pastor about it. And he reached out to his pastor and they spoke for many hours and he's on the road to the ministry. And that's just an, a very encouraging thing, I think, to all three of us. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, that that episode, did you guys get, um, I guess I got a lot of feedback just personally, like people that I know reaching out and saying, hey, you know, really appreciate that episode. It felt I felt like it, I felt like it hit well. Good. Good. Do you think that's the episode as you look back on the season? Do you think that's the one that you like the most or that you feel oh, is the most no. valuable? Alcohol. Uh, you like alcohol better <laughs> than abstinence is the way. Yes, that's no, I'm just kidding. I, I think I don't know. I there were several um that I enjoyed. It's hard to think all the way back to the beginning, to be honest with you, as to like how all those things went. There were some, I know, okay, for instance, one that I enjoyed was the one we did on Habakkuk or Habakkuk, mm-hmm. as Martin put it. Right. And I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but I have literally seen like probably half a dozen Facebook uh, posts from people who said they're beginning a series on Habakkuk. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe that's, you know, it just seems like such an obscure book in the Bible for so many people to be researching and preaching. And so I don't know. I don't know. I'm not taking credit for it, but it just, it was interesting to me. I enjoyed that one though, because it was so raw. It was very much, it was a surprise to me hmm. in that, um, you know, I, I'll, we didn't, we didn't necessarily prep for hours before right. going through it. The whole idea was like, what, what would it look like to go through a book together and, and almost, you know, prep during the the episode? At least that's what I did. And we, uh, we had a good Shocker. time with that. I, well, you know, Somebody and I've been preparing for that all our lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I know. But, but I just needed to hear your guys' thoughts on it so I could write it down. And yes. uh, Martin, Martin's little <laughs> summary of the book I actually used in church. I'm not going to lie, like two weeks later, because it was a Wednesday night service and we were dealing on minor prophets. And I said, yeah, it's kind of like Habakkuk. And I said it. And, and one of the ladies in our church listens to the podcast. She goes, I know where you got that. I go, oh, yeah. I, you know. <laughs> don't, don't accuse me of plagiarism. Funny. It wasn't original with him either. But, Pastor uh, Wickens, did you have a, a favorite episode that we did, or one that was was special to you? I enjoyed the one on alcohol for different reasons. You know, it's a study that I've <clears throat> been going back to over the last couple of years, just reading about, thinking about, praying about, having discussions with other people, and that episode for me brought together, you know, many different streams of thought and helped consolidate a lot of uh you know where i'm at 
And so it was very helpful for me personally. And it's a position I've held to, um, you know, for a long time. And so that was good for me. Uh, but I also, I think probably my favorite was the one on mentorship. And I think mm-hmm. um, I just noticed on the notes that Peter Chamberlain mentioned that as well. Uh, I found that mentorship episode very, very challenging and just helpful for me as an individual. So, yeah, but they, they were, of course, all of them I enjoyed, but those two really stand out maybe for different reasons. What about you, I look Tom? Back over the, I look back over the list this morning and the three I think will be most valuable. And when I say valuable, I mean, hopefully helpful to the Lord's work. I think the podcast we did with Ben Sinclair on Missionary Partnership, I think that mm-hmm. has that has great potential to help advance the cause of Christ. Uh, and I think the one we did on alcohol, I think, will help a lot of people. Um, I think it gives at least some some perspectives that many folks have not considered before, and the great pushback in our day to 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 make it acceptable, and and that's pushback against that pushback. Um, and so I think that'll be valuable. And then I think the one we did recently about asking young men to consider ministry that has the potential to be valuable over the long term in many many different respects. So those were the three that sort of stood out to me. Yeah, the the one on on uh, missions probably has some of the best guidance yes. of anything mm-hmm. that we did. Mentorship, I agree with that. Um that one was was excellent. I was just looking back here at the statistics. The um t- typically the ones we we release first get the most views because they continue to, you know, gain right. views or or um downloads rather. But the alcohol one is almost double all of the others it's for sure the majority of our downloads from this season um and then after that the one on personal devotions which was our first episode so people people responded well to all of that i mean i'm just you know the one that we didn't mention that i actually enjoyed was the church attendance crisis episode it was kind of mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to say it was a filler episode because it wasn't i mean we wanted to talk about it but uh, it, you know it didn't strike as necessarily something that was going to be um super sensational at the same time once we got done with that conversation i really thought there was some good content in there from the perspective of just how we view the church attendance issue all of us right now know church attendance is waning in the overall um i would even say in my church, there, that there is less faithfulness to um, a mul- multiple sermons or multiple services throughout the week kind of format. Overall, though, more people are attending, and so that was a that was a good good takeaway from all of that. So those are those are good good things just to remember. I mean, as far as the the season goes, that's probably uh, those are probably the ones that I I enjoyed the most. Anything and else? I really. That? I've I've really enjoyed working with you guys again. It's been fun. Yeah. Yep. It's been it's been a good. I mean, both behind the scenes and here in our in our the work that people hear and see. Uh, yeah. It's been enjoyable to me. I have really enjoyed how it has. Um, well, the chemistry's been good. I think between the three of us, it's been enjoyable to work together. But I've also enjoyed how people in my church have been have been blessed by the ministry of both of you, and that has mm-hmm. been something that's really awesome to see. Amen. So. Thanks for your Absolutely. thanks for your dedication, guys. Um, let's see if we can transition into the topic of the day. We considered the fact that we're taking a summer break, and we thought, what better conversation to have than a conversation on the need for rest, the need for um, a break, the need for for cutting away or moving away from the activity, the the routine for a while and taking a breather and resting for just a little bit. And so that's where we're starting today. And we'll spend the rest of our time talking about uh, how to take a break. <laughs> well, I have lunch at 12, so if we can be done. Yeah. By- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're going to be back here on the East and Seaboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is one of those things, that's, I'll say this as well. We've got quite a few folks listening right now. Um, please join in and give us feedback along the way. That's one of the great things about these live episodes yes. is that we we benefit from those who are watching and listening yes. with us as we go along. And I'm looking through. We've got, I mean, pretty good for a Monday morning, I'd say. And this Monday morning, before we came in here, the power went out in our building two or three times. We had a major storm front move through again. And uh, so I'm, I'm here. And, and if I cut out, that'll be the reason why. But everybody needs to learn the importance of biblical rest. Um, 
just a, a little bit of study that I've done on the subject is that there are basically three types of rest. There's heaven rest, the kind of rest that you'll have when you get to heaven. You know, if you've ever heard that before, we'll rest when we get to heaven. You know, now it's time to work. Work for the night is coming when men work no more. Then there's Canaan rest, which is the rest that is associated with living a victorious Christian life, a, a life that is totally dependent upon the Lord, and we rest in the Lord. Um, but then there's also uh, what I, I guess we could call like a Sabbath rest. There, There is a the principle in Scripture of come apart and rest for a little while. Um, everyone who was a fervent servant of God had to find a place to rest. I mean, Elijah was exhausted and it brought him nothing but uh, grief and sorrow. Jesus, the Bible says, came apart into the wilderness and he went away and he got with his father and he rested and he rested in the Lord. I tend to think that when he rested, it was a bit more of an active rest than just sleeping, although he did sleep in the boat, but he was very intent on having seasons of rest. The idea of the Sabbath rest, I know that we don't observe as New Testament believers um, the Sabbath in the traditional sense, but there should still be in a in a, in the sense of dependency upon God, there should be a, a point at which we can come apart, even if only to acknowledge that this is God's work, not ours. Um, that's kind of the way that I summarize the idea of biblical rest. Any thoughts or con- or comments on that? I think it's critical to understand that God is our example in rest as he is in everything else. I mean, that's how that's the first mention of it in the word of God is after after he spent six days creating everything, he rested. And not mm-hmm. that not that he had to rest as and he was exhausted, but he, he established the principle of rest. Yeah. And the, the there's somehow, I think, in some quarters, I know that I've come across this, especially in younger years, Bible college, places like that, that. When you take a break, you're being lazy. When you rest, you know, people are going to hell. You know, we can rest when we die, when we get to heaven. And I think it, as you mentioned a moment ago, and I think that violates not only Bible principle, but it violates a pattern that you see God established from the very beginning of the Bible, that God Mm -hmm. rested and in resting instituted the principle of rest for us. Rest Mm -hmm. is a godly thing. Laziness is not godly, but rest is godly. Why do you think God rested? Set an example. Yeah. I mean, is that the reason? Is that is that a reason or is that the reason? Well, he he can't theologically. He didn't rest because he needed to. Correct. So then there has to be some other answer. And maybe some of our listeners could contribute to this and give their perspective. But I think what Martin just said is spot on that in doing so, he's an example for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems it, to be. I... Because he brings in the Sabbath right after that in 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 you know, the, the old Testament and institutes that as a pattern, what he did as a pattern for his chosen people to do every right. seven days to rest. And so, you know, I think you can link those two. Paul links those two in Hebrews, the Sabbath and the creation rest explains how the rest in Christ mm-hmm. is better than both of those, yeah. but he links those two specifically. Absolutely. Well, and, and he, the, you know, not to get into a discussion on the different types of Sabbath in the old Testament, but there were several different types. And one of those was the rest of the land. And every seven years, they had to rest the fields, right? Uh, something maybe you guys can answer for me. And, and I've, I've not done my due diligence on it. So that's probably why I don't know. But did the whole nation rest all of the land at the same time? Or was, did they alternate fields? Any idea on that? I think it was all at the same time, wasn't it? Because doesn't it say that yeah. God promised them that he would give them like a bumper crop the one year that would see them yeah. through the next two years? Mm-hmm. And that ties in well with something that Jeff Jones um, commented on that when they rested, which I don't think they ever did, to be honest, because you you look at their 70 years of exile in Babylon. Right. right. That was for the 490 years that they didn't give the land rest. Right. Uh, and it shows that they didn't have faith. God said in Correct. year six, I'll give you enough fruit for your labor for year seven and eight. And then you start, you know, then you get the new year's crops coming through. And I think one yeah. aspect of why people don't rest is because it's a lack of faith in God, which is an excellent point that Jeff, you know, brought out there and, and ties in well with, you know, this idea of a, a year long Sabbath. And I want to come back to that for a different reason, maybe later. Um, but yeah, it takes faith to stop and not be busy ourselves, trusting that God will continue to do his work uh, when we take a break. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was just in Missouri at Randy Dignan's church for their youth conference, and um, I, I preached a sermon there on Ezra. And of course, Ezra is the res- the restoration of the temple following the 70 years of captivity in Babylon. And the reason they were in Babylon for 70 years was because they violated that seven-year rest for 490 years. And so a guy afterwards and I were talking, he said, oh no, they did crop rotation. And I was like, I don't think they did. I think everyone was was commanded to rest the land. That doesn't mean they stopped working. So I've got some, I've definitely got some learning to do on that. But um, I, I agree with the idea and the sentiment of what rest actually is, is in its purpose. And that is, is that it's a statement. It says, God, you are in control. And it acknowledges God as, as a provider. It acknowledges God as sovereign. Um, and I, we I, can apply that to so many other areas as well. Yeah, I agree with you about that. I also think there's, in addition to that, I think there's a clear linkage in the word of God of rest with worship. Mm. In that we are we are coming aside from our normal everyday course of events, and this is not taking a nap rest or going to sleep at night rest, but the idea of setting aside, you know, in this case, you know, one day a week, or uh, of course for the Jewish festivals, most of the time the the high day of the festival was also called a Sabbath, um, mm-hmm. and other than the priests, most of them rested from their regular work, and so you see that what what do they do on the Sabbath? They worship God, they study the Word of God, they mm. learned God. Uh, and of course, in the New Testament, there's no Sabbath, as you've already alluded to. Uh, but the Christian Sunday is is in celebration of Jesus' resurrection. But what happens on Sunday? It's the Lord's Day. I believe that phrase is biblical. And so, mm-hmm. if you possibly can not work on that day and not contribute to other people working on that day, so that not just so they can rest from work, but so yeah. that in the course of resting, they can focus on God. I think yeah. those two often go together in the Word of God. So, how, how do you then? And this is just kind of to dovetail on what you said about Sunday, Tom. How do we establish a culture in our churches of rest when usually Sundays are busiest day? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Sunday is a pretty busy day if you're an independent Baptist and you have church Sunday morning, Sunday night, bus route, Sunday school. None of those things are wrong. Um, at, and I'm not suggesting that they are. But Sunday doesn't seem to be a day of rest. And I don't even know that it should be. Yeah, and I'm not because if it is, you can't do ministry. Right. Rest is not always no work. Rest is often different work. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And so I would say that's part of it. That, for example, I know that you know as I look at my screen, Martin's on my on my left. Martin gardens. He he enjoys gardening, and that's work. But at the same time, he's resting from his mm-hmm. pastoral labors. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, he's resting his mind. He's resting his spirit. He gets out into nature and works with his hands and, and enjoys the fruit of, of his work. And that's a rest to him, even though it's a labor. So I think there's that sense in which even on Sundays, our people are serving, they're, they're resting from their regular labor. But I would also add that I think a good pastor will seek to lead his people in such a way that they can, he's conscious of their time and of their work and he builds in rest periods for them and structures mm-hmm. things in such a way so they're not mm-hmm. overloaded um yeah. I, I like for example just very practically i like to to do things in teams where i can have you know a husband and wife team do something for a month and then take it the next month off and do something the next month and alternate like that specifically for that purpose amongst others so that they can rest in between those yeah i, I agree that's that's something I'm, I'm really taking into consideration right now. You know, I think for our Christian school, for instance, I think the best mm. teachers, and, and I had a Christian school teacher, someone who was in it for 20 years, tell me, he said, your best teachers for your school will be those who are ministry minded. And I agree with that. At the same time, they have to have a day off. They have to have right. time. They have to have a breather. And if I make them do a full day of ministry on Saturday and a full day of ministry on Sunday, right. well, I, you know, that's not going to be practical. So we're actually kind of working through some of that right now. Um, and we're getting some really good feedback, by the way. I wanted to say Eric brings up a good point. He said, there's a guilt factor for some that causes them causes some difficulty in actually taking time to rest in ministry. Has anybody ever felt that way that when you take time and and do different things outside of your ministry that that you feel a little guilty for not for not being there? I do. Um, and that's, that's I something used to. That I can't shake. You used to. <laughs> I used to. And, and on yeah. occasion, I still on occasion, I still will but it doesn't it doesn't hold me prisoner 
the way it used to. Uh, yeah. You know, I think most of us are going to walk away from our work, whether it's work in the ministry, you know, men mm-hmm. can be very work orientated. So whether it's mm-hmm. ministry or, you know, managerial work in a retail sector or military, so whatever it is, men get fulfillment and purpose out of the work that they do. Yeah. And you walk away from that and you, you kind of aware of what's left undone, but uh, you know, as it was with the, the children of Israel going into exile, there's a price you pay if you don't rest. And so whether mm. it's a guilt that you enforce on yourself or a guilt that is built up in the environment around you, mm-hmm. um, if you don't rest, then you will pay the price. Yeah. And, you know, we we discussed, I think it was last week when we were talking about this episode that, you know, there are some who will hold up burnout as a badge of honor. Right. And that's just not wise. Uh, we've, right. you know, probably everyone's heard the phrase, you're going to rust out or burn out. And I'm like, well, no, that's, that's false. There's another way. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think if you're in an environment where you're put on a guilt trip for having rest, then you need to find some way to change the culture around you, change your own way of thinking, or to move on somewhere where that's not the issue that others have made it. You know, how you two phrase that. So, Stephen, you said that that's something that you have dealt with. And Martin, you said you used to. And both of those, I would echo when I was a younger, younger man, yeah. that that sense of pressure. I've got to I've got to be constantly hammering, you know, this nail. You know, I, I can't mm-hmm. I can't let up. That's where I used to be. And and what changed it is partly what Martin said, the idea that realizing that that rest is a good thing. It's a biblical thing. But for me, part of it was getting to the place of realizing God doesn't need me. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. He's perfectly capable of reaching people and, and growing people without me. Mm-hmm. And if he told me to rest and rest is a wise thing for my family and for my health and thus for the long-term ministry that I have, if I, you know, rest, God is still at work and, and, that idea, it's almost like you're resting in Christ. You're saying, I offer Christ my labor, but I realize he chooses to use it, does it? He doesn't need it. And so I'm I'm giving it to him. It matters. It's an important thing work is. And this is right. not an episode to criticize work at all mm-hmm. or elevate laziness at all. That That's the other ditch. No. But, you know, I, I've just I've come to realize that that God is really good at being God and yeah. he uses me. And I'm grateful for that. But if I'm resting in accordance with with biblical principle, he is still at work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think there's different types of rest. I think there's physical rest and your body will, as you said, you're going to pay the price if you don't do that. There's emotional rest that sometimes you get yourself into an atmosphere that's just so very difficult to handle. And I think some of us are called to handle those things seasonally. I do think that could be the case. And you've got to detach from that. There's spiritual rest in that we can start to believe that our identity is our work and our ministry yeah. when in fact what you said Tom Jesus doesn't need me now there there is a sense in which he needs us I, I, I kind of go back to that later if we want to but he doesn't need us in that he doesn't need our effort our righteousnesses are as filthy rags our our flesh can't provide for him uh any good thing but there is also the rest that comes just by total reliance on the lord you know I really battle with this, like these guys, like David Brainerd, they exhausted themselves and died at a young age. Were they wrong? Yes. Were they, you think so? I, Henry Martin yeah. is another example <laughs> that of that. Quick. And I, I realize I'm being very blunt, but I, yeah. I have right behind me somewhere on the bookshelf is, is a biography of Henry Martin. And it elevates the fact he died as a young man, as a missionary mm-hmm. in Asia or Africa. He was traveling, I think, through India. But he in that book, it elevates this matter of serving and and, and never yeah. taking time off. And, and my conclusion, my takeaway I wrote in, in the frontest piece of the book is this is sad because yeah. he, he probably could have had a lifetime of, of ministry and usefulness. And he literally burned the candle at both ends, um, metaphorically burned the candle at both ends. And in the process of that, shortcut his ministry and shortcut his, his usefulness to the Lord. And so, yes, I do think they were wrong in that. I can't remember. I think you can punctuate. Go ahead. um, I think you can punctuate times of intense service like David Brain had heard in Henry, you know, Henry Martin, just incredible life. But in between those times of intense service, 
you can still have rest and it doesn't take away from what you're doing. And so, yeah, I think there's wisdom in learning from their intensity in some ways, but without doing it to the degree where it ends up just breaking your body. I mean, it's, it's not good stewardship. Yeah. I, this is the statement I was looking for. Robert Murray McCheyenne, he worked so hard that his health gave out. And before dying at age 29, he wrote, God gave me a message to deliver and a horse to ride. Alas, I've killed the horse and now I cannot deliver the message. And he was saying mm, that of, of the, the fact that he was, he had, he had overdone it. Now there are some things that you can do. And I, you know, I, I think that it's good to have an outlet of rest. I, I liked what you said, Tom, is that sometimes rest is doing other work. I enjoy Thursdays. Thursdays is my day off, but it's not a day off. I mean, it's, it's a right. day to be around the house. It's a day to do yard work. Um, I have successfully now installed my two boys. They are eight and 10 as the official mowers of the lawn. Awesome. And, That's a great day. Well, I was going to say it's awesome, <laughs> but now I'm already starting to miss it because there's something about mowing your lawn and getting those lines perfect and alternating the pattern. I, I don't know. You know, to me, being out on the mower, we put, we got a push mower. We don't have a huge, huge lawn. It's great. It's physically, um, I think you, you really release a lot of toxins from your body when you're just outdoors working. Whereas a lot of our time is not spent outdoors working. I enjoy hunting. I have to get up at four o'clock, three 30 in the morning sometimes to have an effective Turkey hunt right now we're in Turkey season. And so when I realized that I had scheduled this on this particular Monday, I was not thrilled with myself, but to be honest with you, I get out there and I exhaust myself physically, but when I'm done, I can't wait to get back outdoors again. I mean, it's just like this, this release that takes place. Um, what are, you know, I think I know the answers to some of this. What are some of the things that you guys do that, that help you rest or, or otherwise, you know, it's interesting to talk about that. I just do 30 hour gaming tournaments. Not really. That's that's not really true. In case anybody's wondering, I, I think your point about hunting, um, uh, if you can rest in such a way that it benefits somebody, mm-hmm. I think that's like a win-win. And so I, yeah. I think you mentioned we were talking about this that you'll take your boys hunting with you. And Absolutely. Sometimes, so you're resting, right? But at the same time, you're building a relationship tighter and better with your sons. I, I know yeah. for a fact that Martin works his children like slaves in the course of gardening. <laughs> he sits over oh, there, yeah. you know, with, with his lemonade, you know, and waving his flag, his British flag and exhorting the slaves yeah. to work harder. At least that's how our children always felt. Right. But yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I like to uh, grill to smoke. Uh, I like, oh, yeah. and I think that's the kind of, a, we use the word hobby. That's the kind of a rest period or a hobby that is beneficial to other people versus gaming, which is just, you know, pleasing to you and I'm not attacking gaming. So please don't yes, even you send are. me all those yes, nasty emails. <laughs> um, okay. Maybe a little bit, but, <laughs> but yeah, things like that. I enjoy hiking and hiking is not something that benefits other people other than it makes me healthier, which lets me minister to other people. But, mm-hmm. you know, being out in, in God's creation, I don't hunt like you do. Um, but I, I love being outdoors. Steve Donnelly, he put a comment. I'm not reading all the comments. I will go back and read a bunch of them, but he said, somehow, I think I have to consider all the time Jesus spent walking. Walking isn't rest, but it is disengagement. That is that, a really good point. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. a perfect word, Brother yes. Donnelly, disengagement. So, do you guys have other ministries outside of like the routines of your of your pastoral work that are disengagement for you? One of the things for me, um, and I don't want people to think this is why I do it, because it's not, but one of the things for me is is being a police chaplain. It's a new territory of ministry. It's like, it's like fishing in a different pond. I guess you could see it's, it's say it's definitely ministry. Um, but I learned so much while I'm there. Um, I've been taught so much, even through the chaplain training that I've gone through that has been very specific to law enforcement chaplaincy. Um, and it's, it is in a sense, disengagement while still ministry, anything like that for you guys. You know, I think of writing, but writing is just sheer work. So that's not a good example. Um, Martin, you got anything? I got nothing. No, not like I can think, not in that way, kind of ministry outside of the local church that is just kind of a break. So I'm not sure. Um, but no, I mean, my, my ways of relaxing would be definitely getting out into the garden and just, you know, doing work that is different and running. I mean, my running kind of took a hit with the whole COVID deal kind of last year and the year before, but, um, you know, I used to love to run and I, I'm getting back to it now, but being able to get out yeah. there and just, you know, get, 
get up to like a half marathon distance and just run for 13, 14 miles is right. It's exhausting in some ways, but so relaxing in other ways. Yeah. And the, the feedback is actually helping um, here. So we, we don't want to send the message. It helps me anyway. I hope it helps you guys. Um, I don't want to send the message that there aren't seasons of ministry that are just laborious and difficult. And it just requires a lot of time and work and all of that kind of thing. You know, we're talking right now about detaching and disengaging for the purpose of rest. Tom, you do a prayer retreat. That's one thing I thought of. I mean, that's still part oh, of yeah, your ministry. Right. You were, I, I, I can see that connection now. And that was on, that was on my list to talk about in this yeah. sense. That is ministry. Uh, I started this about, in fact, I'm working on a blog post about this. So it's funny that it comes up in this podcast episode. I started this about, I don't know, maybe 15 years or so ago. And I take a week every fall. Fall is beautiful mm-hmm. out in the woods, of course, as, as mm-hmm. everyone knows. And I take a week every fall and I go I, I go somewhere where it's just me in a one-room cabin and just, just nobody else there. And uh, my phone doesn't work. Um, I do a fair amount of planning in that, in that prayer retreat. I'll plan my next, pre- next year preaching calendar. I'll plan some ministry stuff for the next year. Cause it's, it's pure thinking time. There's, mm-hmm. there's like zero interruptions from Monday through Saturday. Uh, but it is, it, it is Psalm 46 verse 10, that, that verse is carved in a plaque on the other side of this conference room. Be still and know that I am God. You don't yeah. have to. You don't have to rest to be still. And stillness and rest are not the exact are not equivalents of each other. But when you go, when you come apart, and you purposely focus on hearing from the Lord, it does a deeper work in your soul. And I'm not. I'm not a mystic. I'm not one of those types. I think there's no mm-hmm. danger in going too far down that road. But boy, you come face to face with yourself when it's just you and God out there. And there's nothing to distract. There's no radio. There's no, there's no phone. There's no television. There's no internet. It's you mm-hmm. and God, and you are forced to confront that. The quietness, the stillness of it, yeah. how it speaks to my heart. It, I've never done a long sabbatical. I can see the wisdom of that. We might, we might kick that around a bit. But I've done a week every fall for many, many years, and it has helped me as a Christian, which I think has also helped me as a pastor. Yeah, that. So Steve put a good verse on here that I think is worth sharing. You know, Paul said, whereunto I also labor, as if there aren't verses worth sharing. Sorry about that. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working. I mean, Paul was busy, but then the next phrase, I just preached this at our church, so this is awesome, which worketh in me mightily. Some of rest involves total dependence on God and not being physically sedentary or still. Another um, one of our uh, feedback is is John Ude de Flesh, and he says that he said laying around isn't very restful for me since I sit so much in ministry work, and that's true, right? I mean, a lot yeah. of what we do and study is sitting at a desk, and that's the right. best way to do it. I mean, you may get more creative than that. I'm not suggesting otherwise, but being busy is not a sin. Being active is not a sin, even if all of that activity is centered around ministry. The heart of the rest issue is a dependence upon the Lord. Is that is that correct? Is that a right way to say that? Well, sure, because everything is dependence on the Lord. So in that sense, right. yes, that's that's yeah. a quick answer. Well, and I would even say with Paul, I mean, we highlight his missionary journeys, but he also got locked up in prison in Caesarea for two years. And mm-hmm. so, you know, he had an intense period of busyness. And I know he was busy serving even in his imprisonment. Um, but I wonder if physically humanly speaking, if he could have endured the sea journey that followed to get him to Rome, if he hadn't had that physical rest in prison for two years following his missionary journeys. Um, so again, I think Paul is a great example even there of you know intense busyness punctuated by times of rest. Sometimes yeah. that busyness extends out. You used the word seasons earlier, Brother Russ, and you did too mm-hmm. there, Brother, Brother Wickens. I think of a young mother with two or three or four children under the age of, you know, eight, how, how frantically busy she is from before she gets up in the morning till after she goes to bed at night. And there's never a break. It goes on and on and on and on. It seems like you're always going to be in that season. The importance of 
of, of somehow her husband helping her structure things in such a way that she can lay that burden down and go aside to rest for a little bit. I equate, I wrote my, I always write my wife a long letter on my prayer retreat. I've done it every year. And uh, last year, as I, I write her something every day, and then I, I give her the letter when I get home. But I was using the illustration of, I read a book years ago. It was a science fiction book about um, these folks who were, it was an army situation and they were attacking someone else and they, they had to cross a ravine and they had slaves carry the bridge and these slaves carried the bridge. That was their whole job. And they carried the bridge every day. They had to pick up the bridge and face, you know, arrows and everything and get it across the ravine. And, and they had to carry the bridge and carry the bridge. And I, and I wrote in that letter to Mandy while I was on that prayer retreat that, that minister, I've been a pastor for 26 years. I've, I haven't missed a Sunday. I've taken Sundays away, but I've been a, the responsibility of that for almost three decades. Old Testament priests served for 20 years and then they were done. That sense of this weight is just on me. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different, it's not just ministry. There's lots of, of vocations where that weight settles on you and you've been carrying that weight for years. And in those cases, there can often be real wisdom in finding a way to set that weight aside or at least learn how to manage it better. And maybe that would be a different podcast, but, but that, that, that consistent, it's not just you're tired today. It's, it's a soul weariness. Yes. Because you've carried this, this burden or these burdens for, for years that needs a different kind of rest, some sort of extended kind of rest. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. You know, you, sometimes you need rest because you're tired but other times you need a different kind of rest because you're weary. And, mm. you know, that normally means some kind of a life change, you know, something more drastic than even taking like a week's vacation. Um, something has to shift. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to sustain yourself into future seasons of service. Uh, well, uh, and I don't disagree that that may be an option. I think, I think though, there are some scenarios that, are inescapable. Does that make sense? In other words, yeah, but I think I, I don't mean to play this card, but I think that's a young man answer. And that's fair. I actually thought about your testimony, Tom, after I said that. Um, you mean you mean in relation to Meniere's and leaving Chicago? Yes. And, yes yeah, absolutely. because I came to the conclusion that in order to extend my ministry, and that wasn't the only thing, but it was a primary considering factor in order to Mm -hmm. extend my ministry, I had to restructure it in such a way that I could carry it better over the long term. Someone asked me from time to time, I get a question about how how much time do you work? How much do you work? And I actually am down to only working about 45 hours a week as a pastor. Mm -hmm. That's the least amount of hours I've worked per week as a pastor since I started 26 years ago. And I'm not ashamed of that. This is one of those things right. we were talking about earlier. I, I, I would have been ashamed of that earlier. I'm not now. But those years of working 70-hour weeks, you know, week after week, month after month, those are my background. They have to be in my past because I can't continue at that rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your, your, your idea that, that sometimes you can't do that, I respect that. And at the same time, I would also say sometimes you have to do that. You have to find a way. Yeah. So, you know, so I guess the, the text that comes to my mind, and, I, and again, I think it's for discussion, not, I'm not contradicting you or yeah, being no, disrespectful either to your position or your, your situations. But there was a period at which t- Paul said, Lord, take the thorn away. And the only answer he got back was, my grace is enough. Okay. A, his answer doesn't, God's answer, my grace is sufficient, doesn't violate biblical principles. Correct. How is God's grace sufficient? Oftentimes by applying biblical principles. But I would also argue that thorn, to equate that thorn to a, 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 a work burden that I cannot get away from is not necessarily accurate. That thorn, how do we know that was work that could have been? Well, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is that there was something that he felt like this has to change in order for me to be effective. Oh, I and see God's, what you're saying. God's yes. answer was no, it doesn't. Yes, I agree with, I agree with that part of it. So God may, not, God may not say for everyone that, okay, the answer for you is to find a better situation to work sure. in. Right. That, that goes back to what Mark said. And I don't, I'm not, again, I'm, I don't mean it as a, as a battle, you know, I'm not trying to fight him on this, but 
um, I will say that that that's just the balance to that statement. Does that make sense? Well, I think sure. there's two thoughts in relation to that. Um, one would be it's always, I think, shaky ground to use an exception in place of the rule. So are there situations where you can't make a change in your life? Um, I wouldn't condone Andy Crouch by a long shot in, in everything, but he wrote a great book about technology. And he brings out that there's a difference between work and toil and leisure and rest. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people whose job is toil. You know, it's, yeah. it's not satisfying labor. It, it's not something which is, you know, gratifying that you walk away from it. And it's like, yeah, I, I made 10,000, you know, nails today or whatever it is. You know, it's, it's, it's not rewarding labor. And you can't get away from that. Uh, in many instances. So, um, but again, to use exceptions, you know, to, as the rule, I think is, is not good, but as well, it generally tends to be seasons as well. You know, going back a number of years, um, you know, I was working a full-time job outside of ministry as well as working in ministry. And, you know, at one point I was riding my bicycle, like 45 minutes to and from, work, working a nine, 10 hour day, and then still doing everything in, in ministry. Mm-hmm. And in the long term, I couldn't have sustained that, but it was for no. a season. I couldn't get away from it. Um, yeah. And so I, I think, again, that, that idea of seasons is probably the primary response I would give to right. it. Um, and, you know, not to move on from it too much, but I think um, Peter Chamberlain's brought out a good point about, addressing this in light of the of mental health of a preacher mm-hmm. but i think for for everyone i think most people don't rest they have leisure time but not rest time so and i guess and that's an important sorry. distinction for the for those exceptions because we do i don't know that it's i don't know that that in the ministry that that what i'm describing as as paul is is much of an exception because i think it's pretty common however I do. I understand what you mean. It, it should be a seasonal thing and all that. Paul also had no no ties. He was not burdened down by. I I heard I heard did hear one guy say that he thought that Paul was married and that was the thorn in the flesh. And I was like, dude, you can't prove that from scripture. But that's funny. We all know uh, it was but he deacons. Did, he had deacons. Yeah, yeah, he had deacons. Yeah, but I think that when you can't, so you should do everything that you can, Martin. And this is where I, maybe we bring our two thoughts together. Do everything you can to follow the principles of scripture on the issue of rest. When you fall into a season where implementing those principles do not necessarily improve your schedule or your health or whatever, that we always have to rest in the Lord. There may be seasons mm-hmm. where it's very uh-huh. difficult. You know, I, I think of like a first responder, a fireman or whatever, mm-hmm. they're responding. And sometimes ministry is responding. Sometimes it's, hey, this is the season we're going through. Um, it could be a building program. It could be a, a disunity, time of disunity or whatever. And the pastor's workload goes up. His phone is ringing more. Um, church growth can cause that as well. And that's that's something that we've all experienced. But we, we have to remember that when we can't fix the problem by structuring our schedule or changing our situation, that Jesus never fails. And resting in the mm-hmm. Lord is there. The other thing I'll say that because we're coming to the end down here is that uh, the devil, when he sees you getting ready to take a rest, he will do everything that he can in order to disrupt your rest. I don't know why it is, but every time we take a vacation, every time we try to get away as a family, especially family, like, man, that's when the issues come up. There was 2020 was the worst year of my life in that regard. We yeah. we thought we would use COVID as a smokescreen to take a little bit of extra time. And we didn't get any extra time. Every time I went out, I went out west and went fishing for walleye on the Columbia River with my brother-in-law. And I was on the phone the whole time. And I could not not be on the phone. I'm just telling you, I won't go into why that was. But it was like, I, I had to do it. Um, and I, I just decided I'm, I'm going to catch fish and do my work. <laughs> we did both, you know. So the devil's definitely no, a, a master of disruption. Yeah. No, no, again, I, I just, I think it is important to distinguish rest from leisure. And probably one way, and I know as, as whether you're a pastor or a first responder or, you know, whatever your role in life is, your vocation, there are going to be times when you can't just 
cut everything off in the world and walk away. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I think most people, most of the time, can do something that um, in this technology book was recommended, take one hour a day, one day a week, and one week a year, and cut off all technological ties. Mm-hmm. Um, and we say, well, I can't do it. Well, what do we do 20 years ago? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, I think that there's a lot of this, the world can't do without me. And, and this isn't yeah. to argue what you were saying, you know, because I, yeah, no, I, um, I'm on board with what there you're are saying. Times, yeah. There, there are times when we, we need to be available. It is the world we live in. Um, but by the same measure, uh, we can't let the tyranny of the urgent Amen. rob us of necessary rest. And yeah. again, that's not just a ministry thing. That's a, that's a human thing. Um, and simply turning off your phone, you know, studies have been done and said that your brain doesn't a hundred percent focus on something else. If your phone is on and even in the same room, because there's a part of you that's waiting for yeah. that beep to tell you something's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we've got to be very deliberate about it and, uh, there's a comment I want to read and then I'll, I'll kind of drop this element of it. Um, but he says that if toil is fruitless labor, you could think of leisure as fruitless escape from toil. It's a kind of rest that doesn't really restore our souls. It doesn't restore our relationship with God or others. And crucially, it's a kind of rest that doesn't give others the chance to rest. Um, you know, a lot of people's presumed rest is causing other people work and it, it diminishes it. So I, I think rest has to be very deliberate, very strategic. Mm-hmm. And if you don't take it, if given the opportunity, then you will pay the price or someone around you will pay the price. Mm-hmm. And whether or not the mental health crisis in a country today is anything to do with a lack of genuine yes. rest, yes, that's a whole other podcast episode. So let me give one more thought that sort of springs out of that, Brother Wickens, uh, and then I'll kick it back to you, Brother Ross, as we come down to the end. I, I've I've counseled some people in in very complicated situations who were looking for a magic bullet. Mm. You know, just give me the one thing I can do to fix all of this. And you can't because it doesn't exist. So what you give them is you give them 10 different things that will each fix it about between 2 and 5%. If they'll apply those 10 things, they'll be 50% better. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those areas where I think that's true. So if, you, if you're listening to us today in this episode and you are, you need, you sense a, a need for rest. Okay, so improve your sleep. We haven't talked about sleep in this episode at all. Sleep is highly valuable. I'm not going to take time mm-hmm. to talk about it now. But if you can improve your sleep, that will improve your everything about your life. Yeah. If you can improve your scheduling, if you can learn what Brother Wickens just said about, about yeah. turning your phone off an hour a day and a day a week, if you can um, get a hobby that you enjoy and find a way to, to, to do that and lay your other burdens aside, if you, can, if you can put five or six or seven things together that each improve things 5%, that will mm-hmm. improve you an enormous amount. So it's not necessarily looking for, just tell me the one thing I got to do to, to, to fix all this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incremental improvements in a lot of different areas result mm-hmm. in a big improvement of your situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And launching off something you said, I think asking for help, mm-hmm. you know, ask for help. If, if as a, a mom, you're saying, look, you know, I'm just, I don't have a minute in the day to myself you know, ask for help. Uh, I know even in some of the busiest times that we've had in my family, we've had opportunity to look after someone else's children and just giving them a break. And so often we've been willing with other things, but others haven't been willing to accept the help. And that takes humility, it takes trust. But if you have an opportunity to ask others, be humble enough to ask them, whether that's as a dad, a mom, a husband, a pastor, whatever you do in your life, um, be humble enough to let others know that you have a need. Amen. Yeah. Although those things, and I think Tom, you hit it on, hit the nail on the head that generally there's not one solution. There are, there's a dozen. 
There's a dozen mm-hmm. micro micro adjustments are something that people are starting to really pick up on. You, you just have to get a little bit further down the road today. You don't have to get to the destination. And that also, I think, <clears throat> fits in well with something that I'm learning. And that is the Christian life is more about the journey. The destination's set. I mean, we know where we're going to end up and we're on the winning side, but faithful living and, and managing time and, and uh, spending, sometimes it's really rest is more about spending more time with the Lord than you do anything else. True. I love that. We've hit on mm-hmm. a lot of things today. We've hit on technology kind of sideways. We've hit on schedule. We've hit on hobbies. Um, we've hit on vacations. Um, are you, and Tom, I love the idea of a prayer retreat, but are you guys planning a, a trip or anything or a vacation this year? Anything like uh, that? We did a big family vacation last year. We'll we'll do another yeah. one next year. I do about every other year. I think they're highly valuable to build yes. your sense of family. We've done those real big family trips uh, years ago. We did a trip to California, and and saw that saw the ocean and saw the coast. Oh yeah, travel is very difficult for me. My family is very patient with me. We built in things to adjust for that. But yeah, yeah, I'm I'm for vacations. I'm for parents taking vacations with their kids and building memories and building bonds. That is not necessarily rest for the parents, but it, it's a wonderful way of of building yeah. family relationships. Yeah, we we actually every year we'll take like three days with our whole family, my brothers, their spouses, kids, my parents, and we go to a lake and we rent a pontoon and some jet skis. I love jet skis, man. That's just one of the most awesome, relaxing things for me. <laughs> and we go high speed, you know, as fast as we can on the lake and love it. Martin, do you have anything like that that you guys do consistently? Uh, not consistently, more so in recent years, but yeah, trying to get away with the family. And, you know, sometimes we'll just go out for a drive for an afternoon yeah. and, you know, run into a Dunkin' Donuts and just grab a coffee or whatever and then um but we try and take a family vacation and my wife and i in recent years we've been able to finally start getting away you know our kids are in a different stage of life right yeah um so again not to go into all of it but you know we we've tried to make time for us to get away as well as getting away with the family and taking that vacation time and vacations don't have to be expensive they they can be um but it's it's possible to do it on a shoestring and make the most yeah. of it. Yeah, pastors can be some of the worst workaholics. They just can, and and that's that's what I've seen anyway. So, well, guys, I've enjoyed this today. I think it's a great way to close out the season. We're gonna take a break for a few few months, a couple three. Rest. <laughs> I don't have to see you guys' faces every week now. Uh, but my, uh, my spring is just between institute classes yeah. and Zoom classes and podcasting. This is the last one of all of that. And I'm like, I love you guys. I love Brandon Spen Zoom classes. I love my <laughs> institute. But, you know, I just I just need a break. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I agree. Well, we're glad for all of those who've tuned in. A lot of good feedback today. Some we didn't get to, but um, some that we did. And we appreciate all of you. And thank you for listening to the Issues Podcast. Mm-hmm.